I do not have a rousing message for you this morning. <laughs> I thought we'd get that out of the way right off the bat. Um, I have a message. Uh, I've, I know the Lord has a message um, for many of us. I'm not sure that it's the same message for each one. And so uh, really what I want to do this morning is I'm going to look at six scriptures. I'm not going to exegete or exposit or do anything else that starts with an E to these scriptures. Uh, I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to reflect on the scriptures. I'm actually going to take some time in silence after I read some of the scriptures because um, in Genesis chapter 1, we'll get there in a minute, in Genesis chapter 1, the story of creation is this. The earth was formless and void. What that means, we don't know. It was a whole lot of nothing somehow. And then it says the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the surface. And then the word of the Lord spoke. And that is what formation in Christ is all about. God has been forming and reforming, creating and recreating throughout the last millennia. And it's always the same way. The spirit is present and the word comes. Now, we know that Jesus is the living word of God, but we also have this word of God that's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the Holy Scriptures. And so I want to read some of those scriptures today, and after I read them, I'm going to take a few moments of silence to let you sit under the word. So as I read, again, I'm not promising a rousing message. You probably won't have to take notes. All the scriptures will be up on the screen. You're welcome to look at them on your device or in your Bible um, or close your eyes, whatever you want. I just want to read through the scriptures. And I want to speak to sort of a, a second half of where I started yesterday, uh, last week with Pentecost. And that is, what does it mean that the Spirit has been poured out on the people of God? Last week, we talked specifically about the the power of God for witness on people. So the Spirit comes so that we could speak the mighty deeds of God in the languages that people know. And this week, I want to look a little bit more through these scriptures at sort of what does it mean for those of us who feel imperfect? Anyone in the room? Go ahead. Okay. The perfect people, you guys can go get a bagel because there's nothing else to do. Because we all feel that, because we all walk in the reality of brokenness and imperfection. And I just want to let you know this morning that God is not the least bit concerned with that. You cannot thwart God's perfect plan. Job 42.1, in case you want that one. You cannot thwart God's perfect plan. We get so anxious. If I don't get it just right, then what will happen? And the Lord says, calm down and trust. I'm going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. So I'll read it. I'll take a few moments of silence. I'll reflect a little bit, and we'll move on. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7. Paul writing to the Corinthians about his ministry, and he says this, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God 
and not to us. As Paul's talking about his ministry to the Corinthians, he just wants to, them to make sure that they, he, he wants them to understand, hey, we're not preaching ourselves. This is not a me gospel. This is a Jesus gospel. And so he, he just makes it clear. I, I'm not, it's, this is not all about me. This is about Jesus who did this amazing thing in me. And all he says about himself is that I'm a servant for your sake. In other words, I serve Jesus in my serving you so that God can make clear to everyone that even in a broken vessel, Paul clearly saw himself as a broken, unworthy, imperfect vessel. He called himself the chief of sinners. That even through a broken, unworthy, imperfect, and an imperfect in an ongoing way vessel, that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the very presence of the uncreated God could be revealed through someone who was broken simply because that person had seen the face of Jesus. I mean, that's Paul's, that's Paul's gospel, right? It's, that's the, it's the whole deal right there, is that this whole thing is about Jesus, and because I'm now in Jesus, the light of the gospel shows, shows through me because I'm illuminated by the face of Jesus. I mean, that's why, as a church, we talk so much about intimacy with Jesus. It's one of our values right over there, intimacy with Christ, right in the back. Why is so important? Because as we gaze upon Jesus, he illuminates us. We become more like him. You become like that which you consistently put your gaze upon. You become what you look at. We gaze at Jesus, we become like Jesus. And that's Paul's whole deal, right? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And as I look at him, he fills me, and then you can see him through me. That sounds like a proud statement. That's the epitome of humility. Because what Paul is saying is God is so good that even through me, you can see him. Do you recognize that you are not able to block the image of Jesus? I mean, I'm all for holiness. I, we preach holiness, go after God, get rid of sin. We're all for that, right? But it is not your holiness geared up in human strength that's going to show the glory of God. It's the incredible power and glory of Jesus illuminating your brokenness so that the light of Jesus comes through. And then at the end of the scripture, what's it say? Well, so that the all-surpassing glory could be shown to be of God and not of man. Because Paul was a dude, right? I mean, he was. You know, he was, he was a good speaker. He says it's not all about eloquence. He was eloquent, okay? He had it going. He was brilliant. And he didn't want any single person to walk out of one of Paul's message or finish one of Paul's letter and say, Paul is awesome. That would have been failure for him. He wanted people to look at the scripture to hear his, his preaching and say, Jesus is awesome. It was the goal of his life. Light shone in our hearts 
so that Jesus can shine from our hearts. The treasure that we carry is the gospel. Not the gospel perfected in us, like, look, my perfect life. My perfect life proves that God is good. No, my imperfect life proves that the grace of God is powerful. Now, should we go on sinning so that God gets more grace and glory? No. Bad idea, all right? But let's not think that we're going to work ourselves into a place where then we are all of a sudden worthy to proclaim the gospel. Jesus deemed that we were worthy before we even knew him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love the image of light shining out of darkness. And that's kind of where we're going to track through the next couple of scriptures. Genesis 1, 3 to 5. Genesis chapter 1, 3 to 5. The story of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, making the first day. wonder how many times you've read the creation account and considered yourself as being there. Like, I, I know, you know, no one was there. Just the eternal uncreated God was there. But sometimes I think it's helpful to look back in these scriptures and to imagine, what, how does this apply? I mean, this isn't, we're not just not talking about your theory of, of the, the creation of the world here. Because God creates and recreates the same way all the time. God, he, doesn't, he doesn't need new ways. The old way worked perfectly. Spirit, word, creation. And I would encourage you this morning to think about maybe the dark places of your life. Don't dwell on them, okay? We don't want to hear your stories about them. We don't want to glorify them. But everyone has dark places in their life. Everyone has places of emptiness, right? Places where you just look at it and you think, that seems formless. That seems purposeless. That seems void. But we're past creation now. And, and we don't have to live in formless and void purposelessness, right? Because the uncreated God has done the work. And now that the word of God has been given and the spirit of God has been poured out, what that means is there is no dark formless, purposeless place in our lives that can't be invaded by the creative power of God. There, there's no place. And I'm really not trying to stir you up to go off and figure out how you can use everything. That is not the point. The point is submission. So what do you do with the dark, purposeless, void places of your life that you don't understand after you've cried out and you've cried out and you've cried out and you've cried out, and you get it. What do you do? You, you submit them to God. I don't have another answer. Like, I don't have ten easy steps. I can't rec recommend a book for this one. 
other than to take that part of your life, formless, void, purposeless, confusing, can't understand, seems like a waste, right? You put it out there and you say, God, I want your spirit to come and I want your word to invade because out of that combination comes recreation. And, and all I can say is that the glory of God will shine out of dark places when we submit them to God. That is half my experience speaking and half my hope. Because there have been a lot of dark places in my life that finally I've submitted to God and he's brought incredible light out of. Isn't it weird, strange, at least odd, that God so often uses the most broken parts of your life to show his greatest power and glory? Like when you want to talk about anything else in the world... God shines his light on that broken part where you were so desperate and he came in and did what only he could do so that you won't take the glory. That's grace. So, I mean, I can tell you it's true, but then I also hope it's true because I have empty, dark, purposeless, void places in my life where I go, I just don't understand. I have those. Everybody does. And the only thing I can do with that, because striving after a fix hasn't worked, is just take it to God and say, God, here it is, formless void. You're good with this, right? You're good with these materials. You excel in making something out of nothing. I bring you nothing. Uh, Mike, I said I wasn't going to use it, but can you flash that last slide of Martin Luther? I love this uh, quote by Luther. I didn't think I was going to get there, but here I am. He was an ugly guy. God created the world out of nothing. And so long as we are nothing, he can make something out of us. That's that's pretty good. I don't want that to drive you into false humility. Oh, what a Rogan peasant slave am I? That's not what I'm interested in, right? But what I'm saying is if we can be content with our nothingness, those places in our lives where, God, I bring nothing. God looks at that. I think he sees our hearts and he says, that's just what I needed. <laughs> Isn't that great? We somewhere, I, you know, Lynn and I talked about this this morning. God, I got nothing, and he's like, "Excellent." <laughs> really? God, the Creator, is constantly recreating in us and through us. That's 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 the blessing of redemption. Psalm one thirty nine, eleven and twelve. This is David writing. There's lots of great things about this psalm, but here's where he's trying to figure out where is God and where is God not. And he says this, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Which one of us hasn't, at some point in our lives, looked at a broken place, looked at a place of death, nothingness, and said, all right, I'm just not dealing with it anymore. I'm going to pretend it's not there. And God, I'd like you to do the same. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to cover that with darkness. We are just not going to deal with that. All right? I know you love me in spite of it, so we are just going to put it aside and just pretend as if it doesn't exist. Even if I said, God, I want to just be surrounded by darkness. David, it's like the Spirit of God writing the psalm through David, says this, you know, (laughs) I can't hide from you. It's the point of the scripture. I can't hide from you. Because darkness and light, though they're clear to us, right? I mean, you walk into a dark room and your eyes aren't adjusted and it's like deep darkness, right? You walk out of darkness into light and, and it's, it's uh, assaulting because they are so different for us. Light and dark are so different for us. And I don't understand it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says is darkness and light are the same to you. The night shines as bright as day. And you're trying to figure out what application he's going to make to that. And I haven't figured it out yet. There's just something fascinating to me about the fact that God looks at our lives in a completely different way than we look at our lives. We, we look at our lives and we say, that part's good, that part's bad, that part's good, that part's bad, right? This part I'll talk about, this part I won't talk about. This part, this part I'll write about, this part I won't write about. I'll make sure that I control a conversation so we stay on this topic because that one makes me look bad. We, we all do that, right? And for some reason, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 12, I would rather boast about my weakness because in my weakness, God's power is shown to be great. And that's completely backward than what most of us think about. I'm not suggesting that we go out in the world and proclaim our wickedness, okay? I'm not saying that we testify to how bad we are. What I'm saying is there is a level of openness required of the body of Christ to be whole. And if you are not open with someone about what's going on in your life, you can't step into the light that God already has for that place, right? When God looks at my sin, he sees the possibility of light, you know, He knows that that's just redemption waiting to happen. Maybe that's why it says, you know, light and dark are the same. Because he's like, well, that's redeemed, that's unredeemed, but it doesn't matter, it's the same material. We just haven't applied the process yet. So God's really able to look at our unredeemed parts and say, I know how beautiful that's going to be. And maybe that's why. I mean, doesn't God have ultimate faith? I know what you're going to be. That's why he entrusts us with the gospel. That's why he gives the perfection of the gospel in imperfect people so that we can go out and imperfectly proclaim it and God can come and bring redemption. There really is no purpose in hiding any place in your life from God. When he looks at you, light and dark are the same. And you, you know the, the freedom, maybe, the freedom in your life when you come to some place before God and you realize, all right, I'm done with the games. Like, do you know that freedom? If you don't know that freedom, I want you to know that freedom. Like, I'm done with the games. I'm so tired of making my life look like what it isn't, right? I'm just, let's forget the games. I think that's what the scripture's talking about. Darkness and light, they're the same. 
You just bring it all to God. You know, at the end of Psalm uh, 139, David's got this great thing going on. Just read it in your spare time. He's got this really cool psalm going on. You know, it's really introspective, and he's got God's sovereignty and power and creation and all this stuff. And then near the end of the psalm, he starts going into this really angry rant against his enemies. I can't quote, I don't remember it exactly. But, you know, it's all this beauty, and then all of a sudden he's like, those dirty pigs, go after him, you know? It's from the same heart. All this light and all this darkness. And you know what God says? Thank you, David. I can deal with that. I can take that honesty. I can take all that you are. I can take the pretty parts, the poetic parts, the nasty parts, the ugly parts. That's the God that we serve. That's redemption. Luke chapter 1, 78 and 79. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. This is a prophecy about the birth of Jesus. It's a prophecy about Jesus coming into the world and exactly what Jesus would do. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. You know, the difference between grace and mercy, as they kind of define it out there, is grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. And mercy is God not giving to us what we do deserve. And I think that it helps us as believers to walk in gratitude when we consistently thank God for his mercy. Because it's not just that God gave us what we didn't deserve. That's awesome. But first, mercy had to come and not give us what we did deserve. Because every single one of us was born into darkness. You know, in, in spite of all the joy on that day when you were born, you know, what your parents couldn't see at that point when they looked at your beautiful perfection was, here, I've given birth to darkness. Because we were all born into that. That's scriptural truth, original sin. But Jesus was sent from heaven to pierce the darkness. That's why each of us are here, because the darkness in our lives have been pierced by Jesus. And it's just good, you know, it's just good for us to remember what we are not having to deal with. You know, how, how often do you say, God, thank you that I don't have to pay for my sin? Thank you, God, that though I screwed up again, I do not have to live out the, the penalty of my sin. I mean, that's just gratitude. Yes, thank you, God, that you've given me so many things that I didn't deserve, but how about the gratitude of we're not carrying the burden of sin anymore? Because that kind of gratitude gives you new eyes to the people around you. Because they are carrying it, right? The people in your life that don't know Jesus, this light has not yet dawned on them. 
And it's not that they, just that they don't have the good stuff from Jesus. They're dealing with the bad stuff from the enemy. They're in bondage. They're, in, they're sitting in darkness. And Jesus came to be a light. It's just interesting that the next scripture we're going to is where Jesus makes the turn from, I am the light of the world, to, you knew it was coming, right? You are the light of the world. So Jesus came in his mercy, brought light, and here we are, life, you know, light and life, people who aren't carrying the burden of our sin, who are walking in freedom and joy, completely open to God, loved no matter what, walking in grace and joy and confidence like we've never known because it's all about Jesus and he's done it. And, and when Jesus is just about to leave you know, his earthly temple, he says, hey guys, hey girls, I hand it over to you. He says, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But Matthew 5, he goes into this. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So, who is the light of the world? We are. You know, like I, it, I would, a lot of days I wish I didn't have that, you know, but it's us. We're it. We're the light of the world. God decided that light should shine out of darkness, right? Which means we don't have to hide the darkness in our lives because darkness and light are the same to God. We can just live our lives wholeheartedly even imperfectly, and the glory of God still shows through us because that's grace. You are the light of the world. Wherever you are, you're the light of the world. How many of you have, have had uncomfortable talks with your neighbors or your coworkers because you're thinking to yourself, God, you've given me this perfect opportunity to speak the gospel, but I'm not feeling good about myself right now. I don't feel very spiritual. I don't feel very holy. I don't, you know, really have a, I don't, I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question, the answer to which I don't have. And what happens when we try to cover our darkness, we can't shine our light. We try to not, to, to not show where we're, where we're off. We really can't show what we have. And all that Jesus says is, you're the light of the world, period, done. Some lighter than others, whatever, get on the hill. Don't hide. Don't hide because my light's imperfect. Don't, don't hide because, you know, like everywhere in our building, where a lot of the lights are on, but some of them are off, right? Everyone's life looks like that. No one lives with all their lights on all the time. But you're the light of the world, and God placed you where you are to be the light. So I want to show a real short video. Um, you might recognize someone in this church in this video. This is real practically, I think, what it looks like to be the light of the world. And just hours earlier, officers were patrolling the streets of the east side alongside the people they are sworn to serve and protect. Now they're actually getting out of their cars and becoming part of the community there as part of a new approach to crime fighting. Eyewitness News reporter David McAnally says this simple walk earlier tonight is already driving neighbors to help drive out the violence. 
Thank you all for coming out. At Sherman and Washington, a lot of police showing up. It's not a crime scene. Good to see you. See you. Hey, buddy. How are you? How are you? It's the city's new approach to crime fighting. They did a lot of work yesterday. Uh, code enforcement, I think uh, there were probably over 30 uh, tickets they opened up. So uh, Getting officers out of their cars, walking sidewalks like Northeast Beat 26. <laughs> and Pat Vernon loves it. Oh, God, it's the best thing that ever happened. Hogstad, I got to kiss the sucker. Are we ready to go? <laughs> Mayor Hogstad and Police Chief Troy Riggs ordered the beat walking, and neighbors Wednesday night walked along. Come join us. And some did, like Kia, who was upset when she first saw the march go by her house. My car's been broken into, and my husband broken into twice. After talking to a police officer, you want to join in the work walk too now? Yeah, because somebody needs to walk for some stand for something. From their cruisers and sidewalk patrols, police see the problems. Environment sometimes, uh, you know, contributes to crime. It's not cleaned up, the streets not cleaned up, the buildings are in despair then uh, it kind of just welcomes crimes. We're having a neighborhood meeting okay. on June 22nd. Okay. It's Wednesday at 6 o'clock at Shepherd. But I'll be back around with flyers and okay. stuff. For neighborhood activists, a chance to drum up more volunteers. A walk like this will uh, let the community know that there's people out here that care, you know, that care about the homeless, care about the violence. Linking hands for themselves and their children. When you turn a deaf ear to your neighbors, you're turning the deaf ear to everything else that's happening. Next time you're out, come and say hi. Okay. Because we're always out the front. Okay. David McAnally, Channel 13, Eyewitness. All right. Uh, Jane, would you stand, please? Just stand up. Okay. You might have recognized the hooded angel. And uh, Jane has a very special, you know, commissioned job in our church. She's our janitor. That's what Jane does. She cleans the building, right? And, and God placed Jane and Edward down in, a, in a, a, a community in the inner city, probably not known for a lot of neighborhood walks, as in don't go there after dark, as in not a safe place to be. And because Jane and Edward, you know, I'm not giving them big glory. I'm just saying regular people living in a regular place in a regular city two weeks ago just went up on the hill and said, here's some light. And what happened? People gravitate to the light. People are longing for light. They're longing for it. And you are the light of the world. It's not because Jane and Edward have an unbelievable strategy it's not because they had some mystical experience with God. I think the genesis of this was we did a transforming groups a year and a half ago. And I said, hey, would you guys lead a group down there? And they're like, okay. So a bunch of light walked into their house and started to look at their neighborhood with different eyes, the eyes of Jesus. And all of a sudden, something was birthed in their hearts. And then God began to bring resources to them, like Shepherd Community, and like Jane's friend, the policeman, and like Hog, Hogstat, that sucker. I mean, I'd love to just kiss him, right? <laughs> like the mayor, like the chief of police who's a believer, right? This is what's happening in our city because you're the light of the world. And where you walk, the light walks. And you don't have to worry about hiding your darkness because darkness and the light are same to, the same to God. And you don't have to look at your life in the places of brokenness and say, you know, nothing can be done because God's really good with nothing. 
He makes incredible things out of nothing. If we submit our nothing to him, he'll do something awesome. Because God has decided that light would shine out of darkness. And that out of our lives would be shown the light of the glory of the knowledge of God. The very presence of God shining through us. Because we've gazed upon the face of Christ. And because we've gazed upon the face of Christ, everyone we're in front of can see Jesus. Every single one. Let's pray. I'd like to ask the ministry team, Lynn, as part of the ministry team, would you come in up and worship? And just anyone on the ministry team, come on up. I want to ask you a question in just a moment. Let's pray. God, thank you that you... Uh, have determined to use imperfect people to preach a perfect gospel. Thank you that there is no reason for hiddenness, that there is no shame, no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus, that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is shown in and through us in the face of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that through this people, this Vineyard Community Church, these people here this morning, that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God would shine brightly. That each one of us, the light of the world, would just make the trek up the hill to stand and be who we are so that Jesus can be seen. I ask, Lord, for dozens of communities to be changed by people recognizing that Jesus walks where they walk. Any of you guys on the ministry team have a a specific word for someone or a specific ministry call, something uh, that God showed you? I don't have a mic to give you, but I ask you to be bold. Anybody on the ministry team? Anything specific? I, I heard the phrase group home, and I just had the sense that somebody may have had an experience with a group home or something like that, and that God wants to love on you and uh, bring healing to you. So you've had some experience with a group home, from it, in it, whatever. Um, Dave or anyone up here would love to pray for you. Just It's God just highlighting something in your life to speak to you and to bless you this day. Anything else? Okay, Mike, a couple of those things on the screen, the ministry. I think there are a few things that God's doing. Um, You can come up for anything. Uh, Some of you, I mean, there might be someone here this morning that simply is darkness because they've never met Jesus. And if that's you this morning and you're hearing all about this light of Christ and all about this grace and all about this mercy, but you've never personally experienced it, this is your invitation into light. You don't have to walk in the darkness that you've walked in. You don't have to carry the burden of sin. Jesus has offered to cleanse you from all your sin, to forgive you, and to make you righteous, which makes you full of light. So if you'd like to meet Jesus or you have questions about that, come forward. We would love to pray with you. There may be some for whom darkness is uh, evident and maybe even growing in your life and you just recognize it's a time to be honest with someone about darkness. I'd ask you to come forward and to let someone pray for you or gather with the people that you came with and confess your sin, and let the light come in and bring something new. 
And then some people know exactly what they're called to do and uh, fear and insecurity has prevented you. You're looking at the hill. You see where God's called you to be. You're standing down in the valley and you're saying, I'm afraid. Confess your fear and let Jesus fill you with faith. So I'm going to pray a blessing. In the meantime, please come. Let somebody pray for you. Now's the time. And then uh, I'll dismiss you to uh, party in the picnic or be in God's presence. Father, thank you that you're uh, present here with us, that you're speaking and that you're acting. Lord, today, right here in this room, seek the lost. And right here in this room, bring back the strays. Right here in this room, bind up the broken. And right here, strengthen the weak. We are your people. And we thank you that you lead us with such gentleness and love. In Jesus' name, amen.